0: Jesus, we want to thank you that you are so faithful, Lord God. You you have never let us down. Lord God, I want to thank you for what we experienced in worship today, Lord God. I want to thank you that that is the normal the normal experience of Christianity, Lord God. I want to ask that that as, as I preach today, that would become our reality, Lord God. I'm asking for nothing less, Lord. Nothing less than heaven on earth. An experience of your presence, an awareness of your, your grace, your power, your glory with us 24 Seven, Lord God, the kind of experience that that makes us world changes just by virtue of the overflow of your presence from our lives, lord God i 'm asking that that Father God, the fear of the Lord would be, would be raised above our lives, the holiness of Jesus would be seen, the, the lordship of of you would be known in our lives, Lord God, and from, and, and in that space, the love and glory and wholeness that comes when you're in charge would be evident in everything we do thank you lord in jesus name amen and amen so we are talking about proverbs we're going to be journeying for approximately eight weeks in the book of proverbs the beautiful thing about the book of proverbs is that it has 31 chapters does that remind you of anything that's like a month It's a month of readings chapter by chapter. So as we go through this, if you just commit to one chapter a day as we are going through the series, you should get through Proverbs twice. You should be wiser than you've ever been before, more full of truth than you've ever been before. So this is a challenge that I'm laying out there. How about you commit to a chapter of Proverbs every day? until we finish this series. See what God will do in your life. Proverbs is what you need to know. Proverbs is the wisdom of God's kingdom written down in short bite-sized pieces. You you won't be disappointed as you begin to read it. the book of Proverbs, we often, we often think of it as a series of instructions. If you've read the book of Proverbs, you will know that it's short, punchy little sayings that give you uh, a, like a, a shot, uh, a, not a tequila shot, but a shot of wisdom. It's like an, an instant in, injection of, of what to do, of how to handle things, of how to know how to face situations. It's practical. It's real. It's gritty. And it's helpful. So we often, when, if you've read it and, you, and you've been through it, you often think of it as a list of instructions. But I want to just rephrase it a bit differently for you today. Would that be okay? For me, Proverbs is the sound of family in action. It's the sound of children running around making a noise. It's the sound of the mom and dad getting things ready for the next day. It's the sound of the clatter of a household just putting things together. It's, It's the sound of a dad sitting down with his son and saying, Son, this is what you're facing tomorrow. Here's what you need to know. It's the sound of love happening in family. This book was originally written by King Solomon. So it's not just, it's not just any old family that we eavesdropping on when we, listen, when we read this book. We're actually eavesdropping on a royal family, a family that is destined to rule and reign, a family that is going to have to lead. These children are going to have to lead in the future. And the dad is saying, what do you need to know to lead yourself well? and to lead the kingdom well, to lead, lead the nation well, to lead your family well. If you are interested in, in being a whole person, this book is for you. If you are interested in being an influencer, having a life that is significant, this book is for you. What did I say? Oh, influencer. Influencer. <laughs> Sorry, you're giving me, you're giving me um, lingo. If you're interested in being an influencer, this book is for you. <laughs> Interestingly enough, the, the word proverb means short, punchy saying. Proverb, a little bit of wisdom. But it also can be translated, believe it or not, as to rule, to govern, to be in charge. And the implication of this word is that with this, kind of, with this kind of wisdom, you are an influencer. Thank you, Sam. You are an influencer. With this wisdom, you not only rule or govern or live well and successfully in your own sphere, but you're, that, that success is able to influence the world around you. That you become a natural, a natural spokesperson of the life of God that people are willing to follow easily and successfully. So the fear of the Lord is a good thing. Oh, we're talking about Proverbs. Sorry, not the fear of the Lord. I'll get to that. We, we, I want to start with the first seven verses of Proverbs. In these first seven verses, this book was, like I said, written by mostly by Solomon. It was also, um, parts of it were written by King Lemuel's wife, I mean sorry, King Lemuel's mother, we don't know who she was, but apparently she was a super wise woman and she knew exactly who her son should marry, and she was willing to tell him line upon line uh, upon line. Yep. Proverbs thirty-one is her advice to him about how to find a godly wife. It was also written by some wise men that we don't know all of their names, we know one of their names, Ego. And so these these are the compilations of the wisdom of Israel, timeless wisdom. That, um, that is written down for you. The first seven verses go like this. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and Discipline. Right here in the first seven chapters, Solomon declares his intentions for this book. He gives us five statements that begin with four in the NIV. If you're using the ESV, they start with two. Five statements that that declare his intentions. This is what this book will do for you. First of all, you will attain wisdom and discipline. Literally, discipline means training. He's going to put you in his boot camp you will it is for understanding words of insight it's for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life prudent very strange word we hardly ever use it it literally means to be smart it's having having life smarts being intelligent for giving prudence to the simple and for understanding Proverbs and parables. Be able to see the truth behind what people are saying. Be able to see the truth behind the situation. And then in verse 7, Solomon does a great thing. He declares once and for all. He makes a declaration. This book, this is what it's about. This is the summary of the book of Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Worship was so great today, and I feel like that's, that experience we had simply preached my sermon. I mean, that, that's what the fear of the Lord is. It's His glory manifesting, and you have no choice but to bow. You're not doing it because you, you're terrified of being smitten by lightning. You're doing it because His glory is so great, His majesty is so pure. You have no choice. That's right. It's like everything in you just wants to worship. Right. Everything in you wants to be with Him. Everything in you wants to wants to follow His words because they come across so perfectly, so right. You can feel the life flowing into your soul as they spoken. This is the fear of the Lord. It's experience. It's not a set of rules and regulations. Come on. It's a place. It's a position that we place ourselves in under him that allows everything to settle into its right order, that allows everything to be in its right place, that allows you to be whole, to be completely who you are meant to be. This is the fear of the Lord. And throughout the book of Proverbs, again and again and again, this phrase comes up because it was, it was the wise men of the nation saying, this is what you need. This, the, the thing, that longing, that emptiness, that frustration you have in your heart, the answer is the fear. So what is the fear of the Lord? A very useful definition is that is the reverential awe of Yahweh. But I I was speaking to a young man in our congregation by the name of Innocent. Innocent, are you here? I saw you earlier in worship. Perhaps, my friend, there you are right behind that camera. I see you. (laughs) Innocent is one of our leaders on MSA campus and I asked him, I said, what does is, what is the fear of the Lord mean to you? I want you to hear this. I thought, my gosh, this man's got to be a pastor somewhere. He said this, the fear of God for me is held behind the love and respect of God when you don't need to be in front of people to do good, but with the appreciation of who he is, you do it anyway because you love and respect him. The fear of the Lord is like this God that, that watches over you. It's, like, it's be, like being in a place with the knowledge that, that this good, incredibly powerful, glorious God is with you 24-7. And that your actions are not determined by will someone catch you or not. Your, your actions are determined by the love that you are experiencing in His presence that is motivating you. Thank you, Innocent, for that. Yeah, can we give him a hand? I do think there's one thing that's very important to mention about the fear of the Lord. Is when we read the book of Proverbs, it becomes very, very clear that when they said the fear of the Lord, they, they meant absolute obedience. They they meant the glory and the presence of God, but the expectation was that someone under the fear of the Lord was living in obedience to his statutes, was living in obedience to his word, was doing the things he says. But now I know, as I've said that word obedience, many of your hearts have gone, oh my gosh, there she goes. That's too hard. I mean, I, I I I just saw it happening all over the place. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> it is too hard. Are you happy about that? Yeah, let's just stop the sermon now. No, it goes on from there. Absolute obedience, radical obedience to the Lord is too hard because so many things come at us. In fact, the the writer of the, the book of Proverbs, Solomon, he, he gave most of the Proverbs. He said this in Ecclesiastes, he also wrote that book, and right at the end, it's the absolute last word in that book, he said this, now all has been heard, here is the consolation of the matter, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Bam. It's like, if you you want to know your duty, bam. Just do what God says. It's simple in one way, excruciatingly hard in another way. You see, the interesting thing about Solomon is he was the most fantastic king. People came from nations around to sit at his feet and learn from him. It says in one king, Kings that he wrote 3,000 proverbs, aren't you happy that they didn't write them all in this book, otherwise we'd have to go like do a 3,000 week sermon series. But. But he wrote 3,000 Proverbs. It says really crazily that he he wrote 1,005 songs exactly. 1,005, not 1,004, not 1,006, 1,005 songs that he wrote about nature and science and all kinds of incredible things, and that kings and wise men would come from nations around to sit at his feet and just simply hear of his wisdom. That he was renowned over the whole world as being a man that if you needed to know something, you could go there. He was indeed the richest man at the time. He ruled his, his nation with absolute justice and fairness and truth. And it was a beautiful place to live. It was everything a nation should be because of the wisdom with which he led. And then, guess what. Well, he got lots of wives. It's, I don't think it was the wives that were the problem. I think it was the gods they served that were the problem. Well, it was the fact that there was more than one of them that is a problem. but But more than that, he stopped, he stopped listening to his own advice, because if you read Proverbs, it's very clear: don't go after that woman. Don't go after that woman who keeps calling you.. Yeah. That woman that winks at you in the cafeteria, don't go after her. I mean, it says it time and time again, and he just didn't listen to his own advice. And bam, things spiraled out of control from there, from from after him, the whole kingdom of Israel was divided, and it became a place you didn't want to live, not a place you did want to live. So what happened? He he proved that very point that you just made when I said the word obedience, and your heart just went, ah. Gosh, now she's lost me. Because the truth is, if you simply try to do everything God says by like, like I'm just going to discipline myself. Today I'm going to obey every single thing that I know to be true. If you just say I'm going to, you know, grit my teeth and do what's right, whether I like it or not, you're going to fail. Because it just can't be done. You see, what Solomon didn't have that we have is he didn't have a crucified, risen Lord Jesus. He didn't have a veil that was torn in the temple that allowed the presence of God in the form of the Holy Spirit to explode over the earth. He didn't have the dispensation of grace where we are able to go before the living God and say, God, I can't do it. Come and help me. He didn't have a Savior who had been the ultimate sacrifice for his sin. He was living in expectation of it to come, but he didn't have the actual manifestation of it in that moment. So as a result, he proved the very thing that Jesus said, that without without me, you can do nothing. And at the same time, there's this giant invitation to a beautiful life where the fear of God is preeminent, where everything is in its place because we have said yes. We have surrendered to the power of the living God dwelling inside of us. Right. And now it is no longer us just trying to do what's right. There's a, there's a force within us. There's a, a yearning within us. There's an action and an empowering within us that enables us to do that. Now we're yielding to love. Not simply following the letter of the law. Now we're yielding to the loving arms of a living Savior. Yeah. We're saying yes to Him in every moment. So I want to just put the fear of the Lord in modern language right before, right after I do this, which is to look at at some of the benefits of the fear of the Lord. Proverbs just goes on and on and on and on about the fear of the Lord, and it says this. It says that the fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That the fear of the Lord prolongs life. The fear of the Lord gives strong confidence. The fear of the Lord gives one's children a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom. The fear of the Lord turns one from evil. The fear of the Lord leads to satisfying life. The fear of the Lord rewards us with riches, honor, and life. And the fear of the Lord gives safety. Did you feel that today? I mean, did you feel that safety that just settled around you? I mean, you felt like, oh my gosh, I'm so, I'm so loved, I'm so held, I'm so safe, I so belong. That's what happens when Jesus is Lord, yeah. when God is preeminent yeah. in everything. So, four for modern ways to think of the fear of the Lord. Maybe four modern Carol Gossman definitions of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord in modern language is to fear nothing else. To fear God means to fear nothing else. Because you see, whatever you fear becomes your master. And to fear the Lord means to fear nothing but God. This means, this means when you When you are sitting with your friends, and I don't know why I've got tequila shots on my mind today, but you're sitting there, and the tequila shot has been handed to you. They're all egging you on. You know you're supposed to be home studying, or you know there's someone waiting for you somewhere, and you say, my gosh, if I don't do this, they're going to all think I'm stupid, and the fear of what they'll think of you rises up strong, and you say, no, I don't fear them. I fear God. And you put the tequila shot down and you head on to do that thing that you were supposed to be doing. The fear of the Lord means this, that when you're sitting and watching the news or you've got News 24 open on your phone or you're just speaking to friends and they've happened to hear the news and they're telling you about how rough things are going to be in the future, that this country is da-da-da-da and they're spilling out negative negative statements about where you live the fear of the lord says no i don't fear the future i fear god and proverbs very beautifully says that in the fear of the lord there is hope for the future yeah, what does that mean it means your the future your future is not held in the hand of the president of south africa It's not held in the hand of the policies of the municipality or the effectiveness of the municipality to fix that pothole. Your future is held in the hand of a powerful God who can turn the heart of a king anywhere he wishes, who can bring his will and way into the darkest place, who can shut the mouth of lions if he needs to, who can pass the water if he needs to, who can bring water from a rock if he needs to, who can cause bread to rain down from heaven if he needs to. Your future is secure. You need not fear. You can only, the only fear that is legitimate in this life is the fear of the Lord. I will. In modern language, the fear of the Lord is fascination with perfection. It means that first and foremost, in my mind's eye, in the things I'm dwelling on, thinking about, the majesty I'm delighting in is the Lord Jesus. That means you're sitting in front of your computer, browsing through whatever. Whatever. And that advert comes up with, I don't know, it's only got a naked woman's arm, but you know if you click on them, lots more naked is going to be seen. And you say, no, my fascination. My fascination is in the Lord. My fascination is in the beauty and the majesty of the living God. It means when you're sitting... Studying, and you've got your f- phone open, and, and TikTok, the TikTok app, app is right there. You know, two hours later, you're still looking at the very funny things that are on there, and you say, "No, my fascination." I want, I want to say we have some TikTok stars in our midst. You may go and look at their videos. Other than that maybe there should be some other things you should be doing. But, but what I'm saying is, a social media, media is designed to grab you and fascinate you and make you buy lots of things. But you see, we get free of all that when we become fascinated with the Lord. Yeah basically you get a free of any addiction when you become fascinated with the Lord when you turn your fascination from that thing that seems to provide something for you and you turn it to the living God who provides everything for you because because in the fear of the Lord we fear nothing else and we become fan- fan- fascinated fascinated that's the right word fascinated with his perfection that the fear of the Lord is ultimate freedom it's the place in which you become whole. It's the place in which you become fully yourself. It's the place in which you become who you were meant to be. It's the place where everything goes into the right place. The problem with being fascinated with things that are not godly, that are not God's kingdom, not God's ways, is that it's every time you engage in that, it steals a part of your soul. Mm-hmm. Every time you fear something that is not God, part of your soul comes under submission to that. When you put the fear of the Lord above you, God's lordship, his majesty, his truth, as paramount in your life, those things come back. Your soul becomes whole again. You become fully who you were meant to be. You are operating from a place of, of fullness instead of a place of brokenness. And last of all, the fear of the Lord is the unfair advantage, my friend. You know what? God is absolutely just. He's not completely fair. He absolutely favors his children. And if you think, oh, my gosh, that is, that's hectic. That's too difficult. Oh, my gosh, can that be? Just become one of his children. And then it's a good thing. Yeah. Then it's a good thing. The fear of the Lord is the unfair advantage. I want you to read Psalm 145 that I have there for you. And then we're going to close. Fear of the Lord puts you on the winning side. From verse 19, he fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but the wicked he will destroy will destroy. I love it in the Passion Translation, verse 19 it says, every one of your godly lovers receives even more than what they ask for. For you hear what their hearts really long for and you being and you being them I wrote it down wrong my friend, so I'm not even going to be able to read that, that to you <laughs> because that doesn't make sense. For you hear what their hearts really long for. We'll have to close it there. You'll have to go and look it up yourself to get the end of that. (laughs) And in conclusion, to fear God is to live fearlessly free, satisfied, whole, and significant. To fear the Lord is to live fearlessly free, free, satisfied, whole, and significant. So Lord Jesus, I pray and ask, Lord God, that each person here, Lord God, Father God, every part of their lives would come under under the rulership, under the glory of your presence, Lord. Father God, we're asking for more than just, we're asking for more than just a dutiful submission to you. I'm asking that you'd captivate our hearts with your glory that we would become fascinated with your love, fascinated with your goodness, fascinated with your power. And Lord God, that every one of us would find ourselves and all of our lives just settling into whiteness, settling into goodness. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen.